A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, last Saturday in January. Ready to jump right into February. One of my favorite months of all time. February. Oh, really? February? Yeah, it's just kind of a boring month. So it's your favorite. Yeah, no, I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. I completely missed Subtlety that. Subtlety is not my strong I'm point. I'm going to get a sign that says sarcasm, <laughs> and I'll hold that up when I'm being like sarcastic. Like Wiley Coyote. Yeah, I had that. I, I was at seminary for a year uh, right after college. I was going to be a pastor and do all these things. And in seminary, I had a number of people finally pull me aside and said, look, when you say stuff, you're going to have to follow it with, that was sarcastic. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that took all the fun out of it. Anyway, happy Saturday. Hope everybody's having a great, well, it's not like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. How great can it be already? Uh, hopefully you're off to a good start. Yeah, you're off to a good start. That's the best way to look at it. Now, Dan, last week we aired a rerun, a best of Right. Because we had big things we were working on. Right. And this week, we're going to talk about those big things. We are actually introducing Haley Johnson for the first time. Now, Haley, you've been on the radio before. Yes. On this show. On this, this show. show. Yes. Not just the radio. The capital <laughs> T oh, radio. The important radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big time. And we had you here... Do you remember when that was? It was around Christmas time. Around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Betsy had just left, and I was thinking I there was a bunch of color stuff that I wanted to talk about, and right. I needed help with that. And Dan, you and I, we uh, think we could pull it off. Right. We're not that, well. We're not completely incompetent. No. Not but completely. having a woman's voice kind of helps balance everything out. I agree. Yeah, a woman's voice, a woman's me. perspective. Right. Yeah. So we had Haley on the radio, and it went so well. I mean, the product knowledge that you had, the color and decorating sure. savvy that you seem to have, we're going to find out. Yeah, I'm speaking it. <laughs> and you were really cutting in the interview. Every time I'd say something, if it was dumb, you wouldn't let it slide. And I, I kind of like that, because... <laughs> It's what I was used to. Right. I'm going to hold you accountable. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So anyway, after that interview, we kind of started having some conversations, and here you are. Yeah, here I am. So welcome. I must have liked it. You must have liked it. You're going to be doing the marketing with me. Yep. And part of that's going to be the radio show with Dan and I. So I guess we want to introduce you to everybody out there. I know you've got an art background. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So I went to school for art. I ended up being a sculpture major after being a glass major and deciding that not everything needs to be made out of glass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That ended up leading me out west. Um, I was in Portland, Oregon for a while, and out there, kind of falling into the starving artist trend, right? I mean, that's just what happens. So, got into the paint world. And here you are. And here I am. So, sculptor, what what did you work with? What did you create? What did you do? Oh, geez. I was just telling Dan the other day, I worked with everything. I mean, just weird stuff. It had to go with the concept, and that was why I chose sculpture, because I could work with anything from, I mean, I could still work with glass, but I could use metal, 
stone, ceramic. I ended up using ice at one point. I cast ice. I used a Dairy Queen walk-in freezer to put these molds in to actually freeze it. I ended up casting hot glue at one point because I didn't have access to like a plastics casting studio. Okay. So you put a bunch of glue sticks in a crock pot, you melt it down. Now you're pouring it into a mold. How do you clean... The crock pot. <laughs> you You're use it for glue it from again. there on it's out. Just that's it. It's, it's been it. sacrificed. It's your, sculpt, your glue sculpture crock pot. Okay, now. I'm not going to use it for the <laughs> roast this weekend. No, please don't. <laughs> I've made a snowman that's kind of similar. Yeah. Right? Sure, you're an artist, Dan. I'm an artist as well. <laughs> Everyone's Clearly not starving, an but... <laughs> All right, so you had this art background, then you, you ended up working paint stores out of necessity? Yeah, I mean... Is that what you kind of said? Right, everybody's got to put food on the table, right? I mean, yeah. it's a good day job, that's the way it started, right. but... The more I got into it, the more connections I saw between my own material background and what I was helping people figure out in the paint store or hardware store. And then, of course, the color aspect. I mean, that's a whole other layer to helping people helping find people. colors, mm-hmm. working with colors. You mentioned you had some crazy color consultation. Well, it was one of my favorites. And this the was woman, in Oregon? This was in Portland, Oregon. And she was a artist slash performer, so you can imagine she was on the eccentric side, Mm -hmm. which was great for her craft, but it meant that when it came to picking a color scheme, it was difficult to land on exactly (laughs) what she wanted. Um, So I ended up going out to the house, and I'll never forget the first thing that she does was say, come inside, we're having juice. Juice? Juice. and We used to have juice in kindergarten. <laughs> it was just kind of a weird... What kind of juice? It wasn't like, do you want some water? We're going to have juice. It was mango. Okay, not prune juice. No. <laughs> that would have been an interesting experience. Right, right. So mango juice, yeah. that seems right. We go in... And she has to find the perfect cup now for the juice. And it's this big, it's a production, right? Which I loved. And we ended up touring the house. We go upstairs to the third floor, which is her studio. Okay. So it's wide open. It's got that really interesting ceiling because the roof line is just so broken up, right? So really the room is super subtle. It's all white. I mean, that's kind of a classic studio. But this was her happy place, too. I mean, she appreciated that it was this very nuanced space where it's just depending a lot on light and shadows. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. I was originally thinking she's going to want some loud exterior. Crazy colors. But it wasn't the case. She was really wanting something very subdued, but still had her in it, right? Did she know that? She didn't know that. I don't think that she knew that yet. You figured that out by looking at her happy space. I was like, okay, this needs to be more nuanced than I originally thought, maybe. We go back outside. It was the way that the light just happened to hit her eyes. I had not realized inside that... She had the most unique colors, and not one color, colors in her eyes. It was like this watery blue to green to gold. I mean, just gorgeous. And at that moment, I was like, this is the color scheme. I've never... Really? Out of her eyes? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The house was her eyes, ultimately. Oh, my goodness. Cool. I've never... Did you tell her that's what you, where you were drawing Eventually. This from? Eventually. Yes. After I presented some of the colors, she was like, oh, yeah, I love this direction. And then as we kept going with it, it was funny because it was as if she knew I was de- 
depending on her eyes for these colors because we kept sampling them and she's like, well, this isn't quite right still. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is unusual. Mm -hmm. I ended up making totally custom colors for this house. All right. I mean, we created new colors to put on this exterior because nothing had the misty quality that we really needed to capture that vision, but the feeling. Huh. I had one customer in the store once, I've talked to you about that, Dan, where it was a a poor gentleman who was dragged in by his wife because he had painted his own study Hmm. and he he picked out the color and she was very, his wife was frustrated because he blended in is what she said. He, when he sits at his desk, she can't even tell if he's there. (laughs) And that was what we started with. And in the end, I'm standing there holding color chips up behind his head. Well, to see there's a contrast. He's looking to see how it pulls the color out of his eyes. And he and I were both kindred spirits this in this guy. event. Yeah, we both felt terrible. <laughs> everything that was happening. But in the end, he popped in the he room. Popped. You know, not literally. <laughs> in the room. Yeah. So that was a, a color consultation in Portland, Oregon, out of a decorating store that you were working in. Yep, exactly. When we met you, you were working for Benjamin Moore. Yeah, I was a hardware development rep for Benjamin Moore, so traveling the whole state, calling on hardware stores, training them. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And one of the things that you've talked about in all of those travels that you pitched right away when we started talking about doing this radio show and we've got to come up with topics, you started talking about something I'd really never heard about before, barn quilts. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the favorite moments in my drives when I would see these barns kind of, you know, just scattered throughout the landscape because a lot of these stores are in super small towns. So it was a lot of country driving. And there's this essentially public art hanging on barns everywhere. And I had never really paid attention or maybe just wasn't in the situation to see them before. But I was like, wow, I wonder, first of all, what paint they're using because those are bright colors. (laughs) (laughs) But second of all, like, where did this start? I love that this is happening, that I guess there's trails of these quilts now. Did you know anything about that, Dan? No, I think this is just extremely fascinating because, you know, it's a, a way that people can be inspired and be creative and also share that with somebody driving by. I think it's really cool. It is cool. And we're going to talk about it, the history of it. And there's quite a history behind some of this barn decorating that we see now. And we're going to get all of that and also some projects that you can tackle that would allow you to bring some of these outdoor elements indoors. You don't have to have a barn. Oh, good. (laughs) Turns out. Because I don't. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we're going to talk about barn quilts, or actually, we're going to make it a little broader than that. We're going to talk about barn decorating in general. And a lot of this came about because, Haley, you mentioned in all your drives in your previous job, you would spot all these barns all over the place that had these quilts on them it yeah, is really what it looks like yeah it's it's basically a quilt pattern painted onto 
wood and then mounted on the barn. Quite exactly. large. They're yeah. squares. Always square because it's going to be a quilting square where it's got the traditional pattern, whether it's a monkey wrench or whatever the other weird names for them are out there. Now, are those traditional names within the quilting world? Yes. Are quilters out there nodding? Ah, oh, the monkey wrench. Ah, oh, the monkey wrench. I've struggled with getting the monkey <laughs> wrench just right. <laughs> but I nailed it. My sources say yes. <laughs> that oh. is a real thing. <laughs> All right. So if we're wrong... Dan, Sorry. what's your email address? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, right, yeah. All of that hate mail sent towards Dan, the angry quilters, can contact right. Dan. Anyway, barn decorating is something, because we started digging into the barn quilt idea. Where did that come from? You know, love finding out the genesis of whatever it was, anything. And it turned out these weren't, the barn quilts themselves aren't quite as old as at least I anticipated. Yeah, I guess I thought that they must have had some tradition that's been around for a while, but it's funny because when I first brought it up to you, you thought that I was talking about the hex circles. Yes. And I don't even know how I knew about that. I'm trying to remember how I even knew that that was a connected thing, but I remember when you started talking about this, hex signs painted on barns. And so we dug into it, and it seems that was the very earliest form of barn decorating. And that actually had a really interesting history So we're going to kind of run through that. So first off, hex signs, as we think of them, they're circular designs, and usually there's often a geometric pattern, stars, different rosette type things that are painted into them. And it's kind of interesting because the visual of that, you know, those patterns and all of that actually dates way back. We're talking 2000 to 1000 BC. Right. Wow. So super old. They were in caves. Yeah. Wow. Right. They weren't used on barns back then. Well, maybe caves were barns back then. Right. (laughs) Right. And anyway, so those designs go back to then, and they were later used by Romans and Etruscan cultures. Ah, the Etruscans. Yep. Yep. They brought these back, and then they were revived here in the 1830s by the Pennsylvania Dutch. And I thought this was great because as I started digging into it, the Pennsylvania Dutch, initially farmers, when they had barns made of wood, they didn't initially paint them. Right. You know that, and we're going to get into that because that was an interesting history too of why that started, why they're red, why they are white, why they mm-hmm. transitioned to white. We'll talk about that another time. Okay. But when they started first painting these barns, uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch started uh, adorning them with these decor symbols, these these decorative symbols. And it's kind of fun. The Pennsylvania Dutch originated, uh, they were refugees from the Rhine area in Germany. Okay, So they came here looking for religious freedom, right? So they get here and they basically, it can be divided in a sense, because we do like to divide. Right, that's, <laughs> yeah, our human nature. <laughs> And I'm not trying to do that, but I'm getting this from their website. They talk about um, a Pennsylvania Dutch history website talks about how there's largely two groups. There's the fancy Dutch and the plain Dutch. Oh, sure. Yeah. So the plain Dutch are what we think of as Amish, Mennonites, all of that. The fancy Dutch, they liked color and good food and all of those things. It's the fancy Dutch that decided to do start start with these, these paintings on their barns. Right. So I knew my mom would be interested in the topic that we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. and I started telling her about these hex signs and all the history, and she starts telling me that she knows this already because... She already knew it all? 
Well, Why isn't most she of it, working for right? Us? <laughs> I was like, maybe we should have gotten you on the radio. <laughs> but she tells me that my great great grandma was Pennsylvania Dutch. They ended up moving to Michigan. Plain Dutch or fancy Dutch? Fancy Dutch. Fancy she Dutch. Was fancy Dutch. But then I find out what's even kind of more interesting is that her husband's father, so my great 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 grandfather was friends with Buffalo Bill. Holy cow. The Buffalo Bill? I guess there's not too many other Buffalo Bills. How did I not know about this? (laughs) You just found it all out? Yeah, I didn't know. Well, there's a research project for you. You're going to have to dig into that. How did we get to this, though? Your grandma, your... My great-great-grandma... Who was Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. All right. So let's make this... (laughs) Fancy Dutch. So let's make this personal. Haley's great-great-grandma started this process. Now, we can't say that technically is historically accurate. We don't know that it's not accurate. We don't know that it's not, so we're going to roll with it. And they started using these symbols, and the symbols had all kinds of symbolic meaning, you know, to some extent. Hearts meant love. Birds meant, what was that, luck or happiness, things Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Colors were were, uh, very symbolic as well. White meant innocence. Green prosperity. Right, right. All of those different things played in. But why are they called hex signs? You know, because right. in my understanding, they were meant to ward off witches and stuff like that. <laughs> that was my, and in fact, that's a common understanding. And it's really interesting because it's, it seems to be largely a misconception of the whole thing that dates back to just the 1900s. So scholars are working and trying to, you know, determine the the history of this tradition for putting these signs on on the barns. And they're talking to people. And it turns out the six-sided star or rosette uh, was one of the most common symbols that they used. Right. And I wish I could do different languages. What was that thing called? It was called... Haley, son of the Alps. The son of the Alps. Is the rosette. Doesn't that just sound like you just yes, want to pepper right. that all over the place? Yeah. Yeah. It's very sound of music-y. I don't <laughs> know if it was Alps. the Alps that they were crossing. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Anyway, it's been used for ages, that six-sided symbol. And it turns out as the scholars are talking to these people who are working or living there, German, you know, a heritage people, mm-hmm. the word for six-sided is very similar in sound to a German word, Hexenfuss. And I had to have Google Translate tell me how to say it. So if I'm wrong, send those emails to Google. Yeah, right. Google gets those. Dan gets the other ones. (laughs) Anyway, Hexenfuss, however you say that, is actually a word that means witch's foot. That's not what was being said. It was another word that sounds like that. And so the the, the scholars basically mistranslated, misheard that. And sense. all the speakers were talking about is this, it, they were just referencing a six-sided, six-sided thing, not thing. some sort of witchy thing. Right. So all along, this whole idea that it's warding off witches is apparently a complete mistranslation. Huh. So I thought that was very interesting. Classic miscommunication. Exactly. So we've got that going on. And from that, you know, that's the initial designs where, where people are putting these designs on barns and we can see it all over the place. Those are still around. Yeah, and, they're harder to find now. Yeah, but they are definitely all over literature pieces and any, you know, you go down to, to the Pennsylvania area and you'll see this everywhere because these are classic symbols right. of that culture and it's very interesting because it actually does still largely just re- reflect the fancy Dutch. The fancy Haley's Dutch. Haley's great-great-grandmother. Yeah. So, there's that. That's where it started. The barn That was decorating. the inspiration. That's where it started. Now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about where it is now, because we've seen a, a revival of sorts, but kind of in a different manner. And Haley, you're going to run with that, right? Exactly. All right. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned.
If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, we were just talking about barn decorating was the overall topic. Haley, you were talking about in your drives with your previous job that you noticed all these barns with designs on them and, and barn quilts is what you're actually seeing. Yes. And we started talking about that idea and researching it and found out that the idea behind the concept of decorating barns goes back in our country to about the 1830s with the Pennsylvania Dutch. And we just talked about all of that and, and how in you know our misunderstanding of hex signs. If you're familiar with hex signs, the reality, <laughs> yeah, the reality isn't actually what we might think. You know, the designs on the barns in Pennsylvania Dutch country aren't necessarily warding off witches like we might have believed. And if you missed that, you're going to have to go back and listen to the last segment. Right now, we want to transition into the more modern application of this barn decor type thing, and that's barn quilts, and that's literally what you've seen, Haley, in your drives. Yeah, I never saw the hexes, but I would see a lot of these barn quilts, which are typically a square form, and they've got a classic quilt pattern on it. Like how big when you're seeing them? You've seen I them. I think typically it's eight by eight. So they're pretty large. Pretty large, yeah. Right. I mean, because the barn is a big space, you've got to make that ratio make yeah, sense. Yeah, have some impact Visually. There. But, I mean, there's also smaller ones. People will even do it on the side of their house now just because they want to be involved mm -hmm. in kind of this public art that started. And looking at them, it looks like it would be an old tradition because quilting's been around forever. But actually, this started in the early 2000s. Donna Sue Groves, she's from Ohio. Um, her mother was a quilter, and she passed away. And this was a way for Donna to honor her mom. She just wanted to put one of her classic quilt patterns up on their tobacco barn. Kind of a cool start that to this and cool. unexpected. It's very <laughs> unexpected. I would think it would be ancient or you know, right. 100 years old or more. Because quilting's been around forever. We've been decorating barns for even longer. So it's funny that this is actually fairly recent. Yeah. And her neighbors saw it. They wanted to be involved. They wanted their own barn quilt now because it visually was appealing to everyone. Mm -hmm. So she started the first barn quilt trail and that was with around 12 people. So they what, put out a map? Right, yeah, in the town. And it was kind of a way, eventually, to bring in some tourism. People would want to travel this barn quilt trail. And it really helped these rural communities. And I think that's why we're seeing so many of these pop up now. Not only because they're visually appealing, but because it does bring some sure. sort of attraction. Yeah, we've seen that around here. Communities, our Holland community. Our neighborhood yeah. had a mural competition years ago and every building in the neighborhood had a mural painted on yeah, it. Yeah, that's very cool. It's like a mini art prize yeah. without yeah. the awards or the fanfare <laughs> or yes. any of that, really. I mean, this is just art for art's sake, Yeah, right? It's not super heady or conceptual. It's just nice to look at, and it draws back on a nice tradition, too, so it keeps that going. But, but there are a lot of different quilt trails in our area, right? Yeah. There's, we can actually go and see these. What, 29 in Michigan? Oh. And, I mean, that's quite a bit. But then there's even one that's fairly close to us. It's the Pigeon River Quilt Trail in Olive Township. And that one's got 31 quilt sites. So that sounds just like a nice drive to do. I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. And so where do we get that information? So this I found, um, there's not a good... <laughs> All in one, these are all the maps for Michigan. Mm -hmm. 
There's a place that you can go to see the different counties that have these, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've got a map for it. Um, I would try, though, the ottawacountyhistory.org, and we'll have that link on the website. Right. We'll try to find some of the trails that do have a map. Yes. We can do that, and we can provide that. Definitely. It's very interesting to see how people have jumped into it. And I saw a couple of very small communities that were just starting this process where they actually had it. One of them that I saw was on a deck, you know, like on the the lattice work railing of a deck. Here's a little square. It wasn't an eight by eight, but it was something small. And then the the other one in that area was just something on a shed. So very, very small. (laughs) That was a small scale start, but it's still fun. It's a cool little thing. Well, and this brings communities together too, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other component that's kind of exciting and why so many people are maybe interested in this, especially right now, people feel kind of isolated. And this is just a way to bring people together and kind of a simple... Right. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about it is the transition that it's made to inside the home. Absolutely. We don't all have barn spaces, Dan, you know, and I don't. But it doesn't mean that it can't be used. The whole farmhouse chic thing is a, you know, it's been a big thing for a while. This would fit perfectly in a lot of different decor settings. I mean, I was surprised, too, when we started looking into this. I went to Etsy. I couldn't believe how popular this idea already is that people are bringing in these quilting barn patterns inside already. They're selling, you know, pre-made canvases where you can do a paint by number or, you know, they're already made. They've used blocks of wood even to create these patterns, which is beautiful. But it's something that's really simple to do yourself. You're just making, you know, three columns on a canvas, gritting it out and splitting the outside squares into triangles, you've got a really simple pattern already. Now you're just taping off and painting. So there are a number of different ways just quickly that we'd throw out there. One would be just a canvas, probably the easiest way to go. Go pick up a blank canvas, get a squared canvas. Yep. And yeah, like Haley said, you basically make almost like a tic-tac-toe-ish board. And there's all kinds of simple shapes. And we'll put some of those common shapes in in the show notes, or at least links to them. And it's just a matter of taping them off. We did a couple of those. Haley, you were working on that. And you used frog tape. Because the big thing you've got to do is make sure you get these razor-sharp lines. And anybody who's done any amount of taping and then painting knows the frustration of peeling it off and finding that the paint has bled underneath. And we were using frog tape, yellow, delicate surface tape. I think you could use the green tape, too. You could. But the frog tape is interesting because it's uh, chemically, there's a chemical on there that activates with water that will seal the edge of the tape. Swells up. Yeah. That's the concept. And Haley, you put it down on the canvas. And then what did you do? You actually activated that with a paper towel. Right. So I lay out all the tape and then I got a damp paper towel and kind of firmly rubbed the tape into the surface of the canvas, but with a damp paper towel. So that water that would normally be introduced with the paint is already introduced. So it's creating that seal before anything ever hits it. Right. And then the lines that you painted were super sharp. Razor sharp. And the delicate surface tape makes it that if you are taping over relatively freshly painted areas or delicate areas, it'll still come off without damaging exactly. the surface underneath. So yeah. a canvas is one easy way to go. Another cool thing is to just get, you know, if you've got barnwood available to you, you could paint right on these and, mm-hmm. you know, create wall art that way. Absolutely. A long time ago, a couple of years ago, we talked about uh, a way to age your own barnwood using vinegar and steel wool, you know, and a wire brush to create graining and all of those things. 
And that would be a great way. Create your own barn wood. We'll put links in the show notes for how to do that. But then again, using this tape for paint, the Benjamin Moore sample pints are ideal. You can get three or four different colors. They're about $9 a pint. Yeah, it's not a huge investment. You're getting paint that's going to cover well still and... You know, it's not a ton that you're going to have left over either. And maybe if you do, you make some for your friends. <laughs> Can I use my own creativity? Can I choose my own colors or is there wrong and right things to do? I mean, some of these quilting colors are pretty out there. So I think that you've got a lot of freedom. I mean, quilts have already been made with a lot of creative freedom because they're using scrap materials, right? So there is no real color scheme that you had to stick to. I think that's part of the creativity. We'll put some links in the show notes. It's definitely a really fun, interesting winter project, something you can tackle today if you wanted to get started with it. We'll put some links in the show notes to hopefully get you thinking about it. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about an upgrade for your home that you can accomplish in about 30 minutes. It's super cool, isn't it, Dan? It is. It's going to make your life simpler. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And Dan and Haley, one of the things, Haley, you'll learn this over time. Uh-huh. But one of the things, I do a lot of these kinds of things, but one of them is I lock myself out of the house <laughs> probably once every two months or so. <laughs> now, it's not funny. Yeah. Because it is. it's it is. so. <laughs> So depressing when you pull the door and you feel that click, and, and then, then you, you realize your keys are you in check your the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> fortunately, I'm not going to give out where my address is, but fortunately, at least one or two windows are open all the time. Right. They're not locked, so there's a way to get in, and I have to slither in and fix that. And I was talking about a, a kind of a nightmare scenario where that happened, Dan, and you mentioned that you've got something very. Very different. That would actually help me. It would solve your problems, right? And so I wanted to talk about it here because I think maybe there's other people like me or maybe there's people who just want the convenience of what you've got. So what we have, we inherited when we purchased our house. And this goes back like 20 years ago. So Mm -hmm. this is not like new technology or anything, but we have a combination lock on our back door. Hmm. No key necessary. So it's one of those little dials that you twist, like it's a little bike chain? It's got little buttons on it. Buttons. It's an electronic okay. combination lock. All right. And it replaces the deadbolt part of your of your back door lock, not the handle necessarily. Right. Some of them do that. There's lots of them out there. Um, but it has been so handy, especially if you have kids or people that are coming and going. Your mother-in-law's got to come and you know water the flowers or take out the dog or something like that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fumble for keys in the dark. It just makes the process so easy. Well, and I'm the person, too, that like if I'm getting home and I have things in my car, I'm going to try to make one trip. I don't want to go back out. So I'm loading myself up with all this stuff, trying to get in the house with a key. And it is inevitably extremely frustrating. I don't know why I do it to myself, but I think <laughs> this would help. It does, definitely. It's super easy. Well, the thing that I, I thought was, well, of course, it would help me be able to, even if I did lock my keys in, I could just punch a little code. Now, I've got to remember the code. That is important. I'm going to write right. that 
right by the pad. Just get yes. it tattooed on yeah, your I'll arm. Yeah, get it tattooed <laughs> on my arm. <laughs> but the other thing is, like you mentioned, I, I don't even have to have a key for the kids, a special key necessarily. I can, as long as they've got the code, they're in. Right. And Mom. most of all of these things allow you to have multiple codes. That's cool because then you can trade them out or, or get rid of one if you've got maybe the plumber coming or something like right. that. Well, and I always see them at Airbnbs too when I go stay at those in other towns. Obviously, not right now, but I mean, that's so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. For, for the person that has the Airbnb, they need to change the combination every time a, a you know a customer leaves, a tenant right. leaves. It's super easy to do. And we sure hope they do. But right? It, it's, now I'm thinking about that. Well, <laughs> if I get there and the code is one two three four. I'm going to request a code change. Don't stay. Yeah, Yeah, maybe don't stay. Now, in breaking this down, there are a number of different options because you mentioned 20 years old. It's a basic one. And now we've got all this smart technology. I'm sure that's translated to these. Yeah. But let's start with the basic ones. What are what are we looking at? Well, so a basic one is, first of all, probably the most easy to install. It's mm-hmm. most straightforward. It fits in the same spot where your other deadbolt would go. Um, they're the lowest cost, somewhere around $50 to $100. Nice. And they do basic things. They let you you know, lock and unlock the door using the combination on the outside of the door. Simple as that. That's it. Um, they still have the multiple uh, uh, codes that you can program, yeah, I'm assuming. Generally, the minimum is about eight, and it goes up to hundreds. How wow. many do you have on yours, Dan? Do you have one, one. Like fancy one? We don't need to have more than one code, because we're going to forget it if we have oh, more okay. than one. <laughs> so, but yours will do multiple codes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But you only use the one code. Yeah, just one. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're not that high tech into you know trying to secure the perimeter. It's, <laughs> it's mostly about you know um, a, a minimum amount of security and a maximum amount of of function and ease of use. Yeah, a number of people just made notes. Dan's house, minimum security, <laughs> yeah. and ease of use. It's all That's my one windows to stop are open. By and visit yeah. Very not convenient. some of my windows like your house, all of them. That's right. That's Dan Altina's house. Dan right. Hansen's house is a fortress compared right. to that. With a, with a crazy Cujo dog waiting That's to attack right. you. Yeah, Maggie's mean. So the basic one, you get, you get basic features. You mentioned that yours doesn't have a backlit keypad, and that that's a little a annoying, problem. you said. Yeah. Right. At nighttime, it's really it's very dark at the back of our house, and so it's really More hard to see. More people are making notes. Yeah, right. Lights. Bring a flashlight when you steal something from my house. <laughs> right. Um, so it would be nice if it had a backlit, and most of them do now have it. Ours is just one of the most basic ones and doesn't. All right. So but, yeah, you can get really fancy. So the next step up from the basic one is the, uh, the, what would you call it? It's the smart lock, which uses um, a lot of times your phone. It, okay. It, it, it integrates with your phone. So you can be at work, you can be shopping, somebody's at the back door, you can let them in from, you know, 100 miles away, whatever. Or if you forgot. Like right. you didn't lock the door. Oh my gosh, I didn't lock the door. Now you can lock it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or- so my kids could let me in if they had the app. Right. They could just hit a button from school. Right. And I'm in. Yeah. You, all yeah, right. You wouldn't have to even remember a code. You could just, all you have to do is remember your kids' phone numbers. All right. Or remember <laughs> to not lose your phone. Yeah. Well, I wonder about that. You've mentioned that before we went on air. That's your one of your big freakouts about this. Yes, right. Is having my phone being used for things other than as a phone. Yeah. So yeah. The, And smart technology is that way, though. You know, there's some people that absolutely adore it and love it. And then there's other people that it, it doesn't make any sense to, yeah, or we're a little leery of it. Of it. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. But I feel that way too. I mean, 
It's just at some point a little bit creepy. I just wonder about it. <laughs> right. But I do like the convenience of being able to make sure the door is locked. I don't know how many times I've gone some. I mean, I have nothing of value. I don't really know what what my concern is. But there's do this. Do you have people after you? Are What's you right? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a history that we've never talked about. No, I I don't know. But I do, you know, go play it in my head. Did I lock up before I left? Did I do this? Those are things I could check. I know that with some of these smart locks, you mentioned, Dan, that they will lock up behind you as you right. go. I anticipate there could be problems, but I was digging into that. And newer ones, and maybe all of them, I'm not sure, but for sure newer ones have a geofencing thing in the app where you can actually set a perimeter. Uh, so so if you I cross leave with my phone, I go d- across the street or whatever, it will automatically lock. If oh, you wow. cross the perimeter. But at least yeah. it's not the minute I step out. Right. Because normally Which, I have to go That would be back. a pain. Yeah, I have to go back four or five times. I don't see time. that as being a plus. No. But mm-hmm. if I can leave a perimeter, now if I did forget to lock up, it will lock up for right. me. And, so and maybe are... it'll clean something, too. Well, I think that would be awesome. You have to say, like, please and thank you to these machines now. Because one day, they're going to remember gonna say, the people. Hey, you're right. <laughs> you yeah, didn't say thank the you lock. the last time I locked. So I'm not going to lock this time. Yeah. Haley played right after we talked about, you know, you pitched this topic and the smart locks. And we talked about all of that with the apps. You played a little video clip yeah, from a the movie. Disney show. or It was a Disney movie, 1999 smart house and it's hilarious now to watch because it just looks 1999 and it's just hilarious to watch now because it's absurd acting Mm because it's disney but also it starts bullying people they get locked in rooms yeah the house is vengeful so if you don't try it well (laughs) yeah i don't want that no we don't want our locks to leave us you know standing on the doorstep till we're polite enough to be let in but there still are a lot of, of, of really cool things and it can be very convenient and these are still relatively easy to install. Yeah. A lot of them you're looking at 25, 30 minutes. Right. And they're, you know, mostly fit in the original holes that are in the door, yep. et cetera. The smart ones cost more. Yeah. Maybe up to 250 plus dollars. Right. Um, but they do come with extra features like that. And so if that's important, check it out. There's a lot of options out there. A lot of options when it comes to smart locks. Now, there's one other main category, right? Kind of a retrofit. Yeah, the retrofit type is where you'll have the smart lock on the inside of the door. From the outside of the door, it just looks like your old, the standard stuff. Yeah, boring old house. Right. They don't have a smart anything. No. Nope. On the inside don't will see be... see those kids? <laughs> they certainly don't. <laughs> They're not smart. <laughs> on the inside, it will have... A you replace the the turn lever with uh, an electronic device that does the same thing that the other smart locks do. It's just so not no, visible from the outside. No keypad. You control that one from your phone. Yep, only from the phone. Only from the phone. I've seen like thumbprint ones too. Yes, there's fingerprint um, ones. There's even iris reading ones. Yeah, oh, rectal no. scanner. Or no. <laughs> <laughs> Retinol. Retina. I do not want one of those. Oh, Nobody awesome. comes to my house, at least not the front door, because you have a rectal scanner. Come on. Oh What's wrong God. with you? Retinol. Should we leave that or cut it? I don't know. I... We'll find out. Anyway, uh, you've got one. Day. Well, you've got the normal basic lock <laughs> to clarify. What do you think? I mean, overall, you I love c- it. I can't live without it. I can't believe that I didn't know such a thing existed in that. 
you know, if it hadn't been for the fact that we inherited it with a house, I maybe still wouldn't know about it. Mm-hmm. But it is so handy. It is so convenient. Everybody should look into it. Do you I have just, them on all your doors? No, no, just, just one, the one back just door. Just the main door yep. that you use. Yeah. I like it because it's one of those projects that, you know, 25, 30 minutes, 100 bucks, depends on, you know, up to 300 But it really makes a huge impact, a huge up- upgrade for a home. Yeah, and it's actually technology that maybe does make things easier. Oh, yeah, Unlike for sure. most of it. I think so. <laughs> All right. We'll put links in the show notes. And that's it. Dan and Haley. Haley, your very first episode. We're wrapping it up. She made it. Yeah, we're going to bring her it. back. I guess we'll bring her back. Let's bring her back. All right. Anyway, if you want to check this one out again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. All of our stores are open today till 3 o'clock. Make sure you stop out and see us. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Dan Altina. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.